On the edge of a fen, fireflies light the misty air. Down beneath the rootwa lies my den, my lair. The filtered moonlight trickles down through the branches of the trees, shining on the Spanish moss that's swaying in the breeze. All the frogs go silent as I go passing by. Even the nighthawks, they stifle their cries. While the alligator sleeps in his duckweed pond, I silently lap up water, then I swiftly abscond. There's mud in my veins and muck in my arteries. My breath is like sulfur, keeps away the mosquitoes and fleas. My teeth are sharper than green briar thorns. My heart is the place where bitterness is born. At daybreak, the red-winged blackbirds sing of my misdeeds as they flit and flap and fly around in the cattail reeds. They sing, Swamp and Wolf, don't let the darkness engulf. There's someone that you need to find. They sing, Swamp and Wolf, don't let the darkness engulf. You need someone to change your mind. You need someone to open your mind. Hey everybody, welcome to the Swamp and Wolf podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and what you just heard is my new theme song. Uh, If you listened to the first episode, you heard a different theme song that was half improvised and pretty goofy with kind of dark lyrics this one is pretty dark in general uh but i like the um swampy imagery spent some time actually writing lyrics this time instead of you know making half of it up uh and i'm curious to see what y'all think if you listen to both episodes go ahead and talk to me in person or message me on instagram and tell me which one you liked more um if you didn't like either let me know and i'll try to write another one uh just to please that one person or maybe however many maybe it's everyone um but yeah let me know i'm curious to see what y'all think um i have a wonderful episode for y'all today did i say episode i think i did um it's my downstairs neighbor i live in a duplex and um Summer Lydic is a wonderful person. She is just, she just radiates joy and positivity. And I think y'all will really enjoy this uh, podcast. I will say, (laughs) I found it distracting, and I'm sure some of y'all will find it distracting. We had our dogs upstairs while we were recording. I made this big deal about turning off the AC unit because I thought the AC unit was too loud. And then the dogs are just, like, playing tug-of-war and ripping apart toys and uh, tap-dancing all over my wooden floors. And um, I hope y'all can sit through it and actually enjoy what we talk about despite all the um, distractions. I know even I was distracted. I feel like there were certain times where I responded to her in ways that I didn't mean to because I was so distracted by the dogs. I can't actually pinpoint any 
point that I did that, but I remember her saying something maybe kind of serious and me saying, that's funny. I don't know if that actually happened. I haven't listened to the whole episode again. But um, anyway, I hope y'all enjoy this episode. We're going to get into it right after a short ad. Uh, We're running the same ad for the month. It's Elmore McStickens and his uh, advertisement for the Anchor podcast app. I hope y'all enjoy it, and uh, I still haven't heard if anyone has found any of his other music, but do some digging, and uh, I'd love to see what y'all find, and after that, we'll have the podcast running, the interview with Summer Lydic, so uh, enjoy. Hey, this is Chris, and this is the Swamp and Wolf podcast. I'm here with my neighbor, Summer. Summer is an artist. She's a dog watcher extraordinaire. <laughs> um, go ahead and tell the folks a little bit more about yourself. Mm, well, I've been an artist since I was two years old. Um, I was drawing and painting as soon as I could hold a pencil and a paintbrush. Um, and I've been a longtime yogi for um, for. Go on, well, 16 years now. Um, recently moved to Houston to for a fresh start. I've been here two years now, and I'm uh, living my dream of being a full-time artist. I paint um, bright, colorful flowers, sunflowers mainly, but I've just started a series doing um, tropical flowers, which is what I really love, are uh, bright, splashy tropical flowers. And I got a dog. I love my dog. And I love your dog. They have so much fun together. Yeah, Summer is constantly watching my dog. Uh, She's almost getting to the point where she sees him probably more than I do. Well, this is my first dog ever. Uh, I've had Lulu for eight months now. She was a rescue. And I had no idea that animals could really form a strong relationship with a human. I mean, I'd heard about it, but as a cat person, uh-huh. I never had that kind of relationship. So I'm learning all of the things from my dog <laughs> as she destroys your dog's toy. <laughs> it's <laughs> That's her favorite thing. She's a floof sculptor. Like She's an artist she as is. well. Yeah. She is. Um, well, one of the ways I would like to start these, I'm thinking, is to like talk about how we first met. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember? Uh, I, I, I remember it. No, survival. I mean, it was here, but... Yeah, no. so the day that I was first, like, coming in, I, you know, signed my contract on the place. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was opening my front door, and you, like, popped out of your front door. Oh, right. <laughs> and you were like, hey, are you the one moving in? And I was like, yeah. And you are like, I'm about to open a bottle of champagne. Do you want to come oh, and right. have a glass? That's right. <laughs> And it was like, uh, it was probably like 10 in the morning or something like that. <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh, and I don't know. It must have been a weekend, I guess. Maybe uh, not. I, it might have been a Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was moving, so it wouldn't have it been a work have been day a weekend, for me. But, yeah. but I loved that. I was like, <laughs> uh, yes, I want to. I mean, I had lots of things to be doing that day, but a little break with some champagne was That's right. And we sat pleasant. outside in the backyard. Yeah. And you showed me all your art and yeah. um, showed me around your place. That's nice. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I was glad to have a, a nice new neighbor. 
the people uh, that lived here before were really excellent, so it was exciting to get a new person. Yeah. Um, so, one thing you brought up, I think, recently that we didn't really talk about much was uh, you were talking about your art, mm-hmm. and you were talking about, like, when you were younger, your art was, like, dark. Oh, and right. Yeah. Did you feel like you were a darker person? No. Um, all along, my art was really pretty. I uh-huh. mean, I thought art was like pretty pictures until uh-huh. I got to college and I discovered Robert Rauschenberg, who is a really um, important artist around the 1950s, 1960s. And he was an abstract artist and bringing um, new things to the forefront. Like he did a piece called um, the, his, the Bed and it was like a canvas with his quilt on it. And that really taught me that art could be anything. It is just like a snapshot of life, you know. <laughs> Um, and so then I started experimenting and pushing things in new directions. And then when I got to grad school, um, really, the, where I studied, they were very serious about their art making. And they kind of taught me that if it wasn't dying, rotting, or bleeding, it wasn't serious artwork. Mm-hmm. And I was really interested in textures, so I had adopted like a limited palette, dark blacks, browns. Um, the, the colors of erosion. I was interested in the, like the textures that uh, faded, peeling billboards look like after mm-hmm. a hurricane or eroded concrete. And I wanted to be taken serious as an artist, so that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And people did ask me, you know, wow, are you depressed? I was like, no, I'm really not. I'm just a serious artist. <laughs> but I was still showing up to class in my like, you know, mini skirts and hoop earrings, and I was a good little Christian girl. Uh-huh. So I was like, but no, I'm a serious artist. And I couldn't ever like maintain what I was doing. I wasn't excited to be in the studio um, because I was trying to create something that was not pouring from me. It wasn't from my heart. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like 10 years after I graduated and I wasn't doing much art that I met a self-taught artist Mm-hmm. who was just painting by the seat of his pants and just anything and everything and he was fearless mm-hmm. um, and that really inspired me to uh, make more art and he saw me doodling one day and he's like how come you never paint stuff like that and I'm like oh because these are doodles and it's not serious art and he's like but what's serious art and that's who you really are that's what you're always drawing on the side and I was like, okay, I'll try it. And man, I've never looked back. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like doodling hearts, and I made some heart paintings that I sold, and just doing anything and everything um, that you know that I kind of thought was silly or pretty or fancy. Mm-hmm. And that's been five years, and now I feel like I'm really coming into my own as um, an artist. I feel like I've found my signature style and my signature subject matter. Um, of course, that can always change, but I feel like I'm putting me in the artwork now, and the paintings and I have the same energy, the same um, reflection. Mm-hmm. So. And I guess where I was going with that is... <clears throat> You do have, like, this energy and this, like, you know, this, like, bubbly (laughs) personality. And have you always been that way? Yes. Yes, I did 
go through bouts of depression um, mm-hmm. from like, I don't know, like 16 years old to 30. Mm-hmm. Um, I really kind of struggle with just how to handle my ups and downs, how to... I mean, along with that bubbly side, there's also a very deep analytical side. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't understand how to manage that. Uh, and I feel like I do now, because I'm 43 now, and so I've been around the block a couple times, and I understand, okay, I'm going to have a few weeks where I'm high, and around this time, I start to get low, and I've learned what to, how to manage it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to keep myself physically and mentally, emotionally in a good place so that is always reflected in the artwork. Because mm-hmm. I'm like literally loading into each brushstroke my emotions, the things that I'm listening to at the moment. Um, and that's what makes art like a, a tangible living history of the time and place it was made and of the person. Because you're interacting with something that a human being made and that it has an organic power to it so (laughs) i want mine to be happy because people buy it and they take it into their house and that's um it's like living with another personality Mm -hmm. yeah sure i'm sure like people are a bit of a reflection of their art that they hang in their house you know yeah and i've heard Um, stories um this couple they were in a gallery and they loved this really beautiful red painting and it was very passionate with a lot of heavy brush strokes and they brought it home and they started arguing a lot mm-hmm. and they finally told the gallerist they're like look we're not um something's happened we're arguing a lot we don't like the feeling of this painting and so they returned it and the gallerist talked to the artist and she's like oh my gosh i was having an argument with my husband around that same time so emotions are loaded into the the paintings mm-hmm. so as i feel like it's my personal responsibility to um, be positive in mine and have them you know, exude good energy yeah um <laughs> <laughs> sorry to the listeners at home the dogs are tap dancing and they're tap dancing they're getting getting after it making a mess and they're stuffing all over my floor. <laughs> and they're joyful. This is like so much better than watching TV. It's just to watch the dogs play. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so how have you found that you deal with your little bouts of depression that you get? Do you have any like tips for things that you know will get you out of, out of a um, funk? Yeah, the biggest thing is movement. Um, and that's where yoga comes in. Yoga has really saved my life. Uh, it's given me connection to a deeper power, a deeper purpose. And um, literally, if you're just stuck in your head, just move your body in any way, shape, or form. And just physically like get up, go to a different room, go outside, mm-hmm. uh, do a handstand, do a cartwheel. Just do something to shift the energy. Mm-hmm. And that always helps me get a new perspective on it. And I, I know, too, at certain times, like after 9.30 at night, I don't need to have any deep thoughts because it's just not really going to be productive. Oh, no! <laughs> Easy. Um, having a good diet. I mean, I'm vegetarian, pescatarian, mm-hmm. um, and really just physical movement for me. I have to have like two or three hours 
everyday minimum of like hard physical activity that seems to help quiet my brain mm -hmm. yeah it's nice to, that seems pretty simple um, yes. but I'm glad that it works for you <laughs> I it wasn't enough for me when I was in depression it helped in the moment yeah and then like as soon as it was over or whatever or maybe I had yeah. a little bit of like a high afterwards of like Oh, that felt really good, and it, you know, it maybe would, like, I would think, like, sometimes I'd go for a run, and then, like, maybe for an hour after the run, I'd kind of go like that. Yeah. Good feeling, and then it was just so easy for me to slip back into it. Um, yeah, okay, well, that's true, and I, um, a lot of it was hormonal, like, the 16-year to 30-year-old period, I think it was hormones, mm -hmm. um, but... A lot of it is like tools. I've just gotten a lot more um, mental tools, and I credit that to this yoga studio that I go to here. They mm -hmm. have a lot of just very practical, basic tools. Um, and so much of it for me is I just try not to take it seriously. It's just a thought, and a thought can be changed. And then I work on changing that thought. Like whatever in the moment I feel would make me feel better, um, I just write a new story for myself. And man, I used to think that was like hocus pocus, mm -hmm. voodoo stuff. I was like, no, if I'm having a thought, it's serious. And I have to think this thought through to the bitter end. Mm -hmm. But I've learned that a lot of these thoughts aren't even mine. They're just passing through. Mm -hmm. They're just something from somebody else said or just some projection. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to think it. And I've learned... That I, that I can choose happiness. I can choose a different way. I can choose a different thought. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I was chemically depressed earlier in my life. I'm not chemically depressed anymore. And so now it's more just situational depression. Mm -hmm. um, like for the pandemic, that was kind of a mind fuck. Mm -hmm. And it helped me remember that I do have choices and I can still do the things that I want to do and that are most important to me. They might look different than they did mm -hmm. pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. but I'm still able to express the same ideas and thoughts and connections. The, the essence of what I want is still available to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, and for listeners that are depressed, you know, no shame in taking medication. I'm all about that. Just get as many tools as you can. If that's for me, it was a combination of things. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway I've had with how to solve depression is just to be open to open-minded to trying new things that people put out there. So, like, if yeah. somebody's telling you, "Hey, you know, I'm on this medication. This works for me. Mm -hmm. Have you considered that?" Or, hey, uh, I've been trying meditation in this certain way, um, and it's really worked for me. Have you tried that? And, mm -hmm. and just being open, I, for the longest time, I think, was, like, in this cycle of negativity to the point where I didn't, I discredited what everyone else said. Yeah, it's like depression becomes a wet blanket, but it's your wet blanket, and it's very familiar and yeah, that for me, there were definitely times where I was defending it. I'm like, no, this is serious, and I have to work through it. But I and I don't need anyone's help. 
Yeah. But by doing that, like what you're saying, I wasn't trying new things. I wasn't open to to helping myself or changing. Hey, Duke. <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> People are gonna have such a hard time listening to this. <laughs> I think I might have to take that talk from here. Will you hold this for oh, a second? Sure. Okay. <laughs> That's funny because he doesn't usually play tug of war. Yeah. He just well, wants to keep it for himself. Yeah. I think. I don't know. It's funny how, like, right now they're being so over the top. It's probably because we're not. Mm-hmm. Especially Hey Duke. We're not paying attention to him. Hey Duke is my dog, by the way. Um, we're not exactly paying attention to him, so he's got to find other ways to get our attention, which is to be loud and. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, for me it was like I didn't. Uh, I wasn't even open with telling people about my well, my yeah. depression, and That's then so- if people were uh, tipped off to it, then. I certainly didn't want to hear what they had to recommend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was very like close friends that you know would actually get those conversations where I'd open up to them, and the, I had very few friends like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't let a lot of people in. Um, and why was that? I mean, it's almost like you were trying to protect. What? Yeah. Um, you know. I think um, part of it was I kind of like put certain depressed people on like a pedestal. Really? Yeah. Um, Towns Van Zandt, for example, is like one of my idols, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he struggled with depression. And. Um, and I kind of maybe thought, like, in a way that that made, makes someone more interesting or something like that. <laughs> like, in the back of my head. And it wasn't, like, this wasn't at the forefront of my mind when I, um, when people were confronting me about it. It's not like I was thinking at that moment, oh, I want to be depressed because I think that, uh, you know, these other people that I like. <laughs> were that mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. but it's just a theory I don't know I don't really know no, I mean that's an actual thing especially for artists that um, the whole like struggling artists and yeah. tortured artists right. I mean it's a very real concept and it's unnecessary um, one of my favorite books is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert and she goes all into it how that um idea came about in like I think it's the German romanticism period in literature um how instead of we used to have a genius that would collaborate with us on our creative endeavors and around that time we merged with our genius so we like you were either a genius or you weren't so the sole responsibility of your creativity being a success is now on your shoulders and that pressure is what split off depression and alcoholism and all those things and that tortured artist um, persona 
<laughs> but it's really bullshit. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, who can really create? And why struggle yeah. with your creativity like that? Why think, oh, I have to be experiencing these serious emotions in order to create? Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. You can create out of joy and peace and yeah. love. And um, I can't create when I'm in a, a funk. Yeah. Well, certainly not the same style. I don't think it would turn out the same way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would be totally different. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen her art, it's just very bright and colorful. Yeah. And um, I can't really imagine you doing the same kind of art if you were feeling... Uh, it, w- it wouldn't be as convincing. Yeah. And when I was depressed, like, I just didn't want to put that energy out into the world. I mean, there's enough stuff. The world can handle it. I do know that. But the world can handle more depression and more anxiety and, and all that stuff. And, and there's definitely a place for everything. I just know for me, I want to put out something else, something positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Maybe you can edit out all this. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> this is very lo-fi. It'll be fine. Um. It's... it's- <laughs> Homespun. Yeah, really. <laughs> Homebrew podcast. Yeah. People, <laughs> I promise this won't be every episode. Um, I'm sure <laughs> this probably being like the first. Um, Thank you. This is going to be probably the first release of the like interviewed um, podcast. So <laughs> I'm sure people are going to listen to this and be like, um, you know, <laughs> is this what to expect from the rest of the show? Possibly. <laughs> you might have interviews at the campfire and on the mountainside, and you'll have a different soundtrack. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think that was part of it. I think, um, you know, I haven't really been an artist in a lot of ways but I did play music and songs come to me like mm-hmm. uh, very rarely <laughs> for me to finish a song mm. takes me like sometimes like a year I, I have written some songs where like I wrote them in a day and like I've been proud of those too but my most recent song the Bean song mm-hmm. that, one, that, one. that one took me a year to write yeah and that's okay <laughs> but and but if you were really trying to sit down every day, you'd get better at songwriting, and yeah. it would come faster and easier. Yeah, but it's funny that if that's the reason, and I, the, of course that's a theory. I don't really know why I was so shut off from the world, but um, if it's because I thought it would make me a better musician to be depressed, that's a pretty shitty reason when I'm not writing that hey, much a music. Lot of people do it. A lot of people do it. <laughs> Because so many of our great artists have been tortured souls or drug addicts and have checked out way too soon. Yeah. So And that's um, romanticized, you know. It's like, oh, look how hot and sexy they were. And, oh, they died so young. Mm-hmm. I mean, our society kind of glorifies that. Sorry, this is one that I don't want her to do. <laughs> that's a special one, Lou. Um, yeah, that's funny. Uh it's weird how we do that. 
Um, but yeah, I think I definitely romanticized Towns's depression. Yeah. Um, maybe I was already struggling with depression, and I romanticized it because it felt like a way that I connected to him or something. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I can't explain what that is, but uh, yeah, that's valid. But yeah, um, get away. After I want to say like uh, after my last breakup, I was opening up to every single person about my situation, mm-hmm. uh, and I still close some things out. There was a guy. Mm-hmm. There was a guy who came up to me at the gym. Um, we started climbing together. And I just opened up to him right away and told him about my depression and everything. And his advice, he was, like, very um, Christian. Mm. A lot. And uh, he was like, can I pray for you? And, like, saying all this stuff. That's sweet. It was sweet. It actually, like, almost made me want to cry. Yeah. When he told me that. Yeah, it's uh, sweet. But it almost made me want to cry because I felt, like, pathetic that he wanted to pray for me, you know what I mean? Like, it it made me feel almost worse that, like, somebody thinks they have to pray for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. That that bothered me in that bit. And then also just, um, I was not into the whole, like, trying prayer thing. I'm just, I haven't really been religious for most of my life. And that whole thing, I was, like, kind of pushing away. Yeah. Um, that's just their way of sending you good vibes. Yeah. No, I get that now. I was yeah. being... But I was definitely being closed off to it. And I... That's around the time that I was, like, trying to be more open about trying new things. And that was still... <laughs> but one not thing. Christianity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I joked... I'm the type that would joke, like, if I walk into a church, I might, might burst into flames. I say or, that, too. You know. People say, do you go to church? I say, hell no, I'm a heathen. (laughs) I've, like, enjoyed kind of subscribing to, like, paganism a bit now. Oh, yeah. um, It's way older than anything. I've totally subscribed to that, too. um, Celebrating the solstice and the equinox and the Mm -hmm. in-betweens. It's been nice. I've enjoyed that. Um, Yeah, um... I guess that was the main thing I wanted to hit on was like your positivity and like has has do you get that like from one of your parents or um Um, I mean yeah looking back they are they have their own brands of positivity um I can be like more over the top than they are my dad (laughs) really believes in a very strong hard work ethic and I believe totally that if you have a a job to do that takes you out of your brain it is very helpful in combating depression Mm because you don't have the luxury to sit around and stew in the fact that you're depressed you might get to the job and be fatigued because you're depressed but it's still a little better than Mm -hmm. being at home and um and really struggling with it just Mm -hmm. to be out uh and with people is very beneficial um and yeah, my mom definitely, her brand of positivity is, you know, positive thinking. And she believes in the power of beauty. So that's really where I got that. Um, like, setting aside time every morning to put on her makeup and to dress nice. It really elevates 
the energy not only for yourself but for other people too when you walk into a room and you're all put together um, ready for your best other people they see that and it just sets a higher expectation in the room so yeah I, I would say that I did get it from my parents they definitely helped and then I've just explored it more on my own yeah um, you know, and a lot of it's just through yoga and self-improvement. I'm a big fan of, like, Wayne Dyer, and now I'm into um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. I've also been listening to a lot of Abraham Hicks, and I've been studying this for 20 years, like, the power of our thoughts to mm -hmm. change our lives, mm -hmm. um, not only with our mood, but also, like, manifest material things and become... What we want to become, and it just all starts with your beliefs about yourself and about life. Mm -hmm. Is that sequence? <laughs> it is. We found that on our, on our run. Uh, <laughs> it's a sequined frisbee. Oh, fancy. Well, it's about to be a sequined explosion. Yeah, really. Um, so, um, yeah, literally today I... I was working with my coworker, and <laughs> I just was like kneeling down dig after digging this hole, and I was like, "Oh man!" And she's like, "What's wrong?" And I was like, "Nothing. Like everything's good." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I said it. I was like kind of misleading, and she was like, "What's wrong?" You know? And I'm like, "Oh, nothing. Like I'm just thinking about stuff, and like everything's so good." It's so good. And that's just that's the way I've been like feeling since March is just like just enjoying everything I'm so glad yeah. and I mean I can't speak for I'm in a very great place I have a healthy body healthy family um, mm -hmm. yeah I know there's so much going on right now it's it's kind of like is this where you're going with it well I was gonna say you know the like magic the surrounds us you know and there's so much abundance in nature and just the beauty and simplicity and just the this, this stillness. If you can just be still, there's so much freedom in that. Mm -hmm. And I can say that because I live in a healthy body. I, my family is healthy. I have a roof over my head. Like, I've got all those needs mm -hmm. met. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot easier. Right. I would also say that, you know, even if you can, just close your eyes for a few deep breaths, that stillness is available to everyone. It's available to everyone. Yeah. No, I've found uh, a lot of beauty in my own mind since, mm, mm -hmm. since then. And, like, through meditation and just having... Uh, I don't necessarily need to go outside to true. Yeah. find something beautiful. I'm, like... I can be meditating and like, yeah, um, have great, beautiful thoughts. Um, yeah. Um, and they always say it's an inside job, <laughs> and that's true. I mean, everything begins and ends with you. And man, if you can get that relationship right, everything else is butter. Yeah, I, that was my struggle for so long. Yeah. I wasn't happy with myself. Um, yeah. But. Um. Yeah, I didn't know how to be happy by myself. I didn't think it was yeah. possible. Right. Yeah. I kept wanting to find happiness through another person. Yeah. Um. And 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I told you this, but like the my last girlfriend and I the first date we went on, um, I was like super depressed that day. Mm. And she had just come from a yoga class. Oh, yeah. And she was like beaming with positivity. Yeah. <laughs> and I from that night on, like I just kind of latched onto that. Yeah. And it was very contagious and I was extremely happy the whole time I was with her. But it wasn't it wasn't my own happiness maybe yeah. necessarily. Or like it was, but it was based on us. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that relationship was over, mm-hmm. <laughs> she took it with that her. source of happiness was gone. Yeah. And uh, man, did I struggle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now I, I, I just didn't know how to be happy by myself. Yeah. Um, did I tell you what uh, Jessica told me in Australia? Remind me. I, she had me, she was like, what's your love language? And I was like, I don't know. I, I took a test and I found out my love language. And she's like, just do that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like whatever it is. Like she's so mine's smart. quality yeah. time. Okay. And so I can give myself quality time and do things by myself. Mm-hmm. I've gone camping by myself since then. I've, you know, done a lot of. It's quarantine, so I've done a lot mm-hmm. of being by myself. But I'm finding a lot of joy now in being by myself. Good, yay. Um, yeah. And so now, your happiness is contagious to the other people that you meet. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's probably why I feel like I'm having such great conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, people, it's either, it's either that or just me opening up to them and then they feel like they can open up to me mm-hmm. or something. But yeah, and because you found like that safe place for yourself, which is a deep seated peace, you are people can sense that and they're like, Oh, this is a safe space so I can be myself. Mm-hmm. I can open up and Yeah, and I share love those that. things. It's making me it brings me so much joy when people open up to me too. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Yeah. I love getting these interactions and like um just well, and it's true connection, and that's what we're all hungry for all the time. That's why this pandemic has been so horrible mm-hmm. but at times um, because we're disconnected mm-hmm. um, or not able to connect in the old ways. Uh, but, yeah, that's what we're all looking for always is just real, true, genuine connection. Yeah. And vulnerability. People are so afraid of it, but that's also what we crave the most. Yeah, the timing of this whole experience for me is so bizarre. Because everyone else is struggling with finding connections and, and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And this is the first time in my life that I've been feeling like yeah. I'm having real connections. Yeah. But it's it's the time when everyone else is struggling their most to like have those connections. I don't know. It's kind of... It's been weird. Um, at our company, we have these you know Zoom meetings once a week. Mm-hmm. And we have to talk about... Um, our personal and our we don't have to but like um everybody goes around and they rate their um on a scale from one to ten their personal life and their work life how they're feeling about it right okay that's good and i have been tens every time cool. <laughs> as far as personal life 
work life, I, I definitely get a little stressed out here and there, but I just don't let it get me down outside of my work, you know? And if, I feel kind of weird saying 10, um, but I feel like a 10. I feel like this is the best I've ever felt, you know what I mean? Weird, meaning what? Well, I feel like I'm going to get judged a bit or like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of shitty stuff going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And well, you'll always get judged. Positive, negative, whatever. And it's none of your business. Yeah. And I'm just being honest. I, I yeah. feel like a 10. Good. Yeah, don't ever. Yeah. There's no need to feel bad about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean that's really that's re- it's really awesome because you struggled for so long and you you found your own way out of it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that you know a relationship or um, yeah, but it wasn't a lot of money or a fast car. I mean, it was you found yourself through your own pain, mm-hmm. and that's like the best. The really the only key to open that door is pain. Mm-hmm. I think part of it too, though is um is other people but not like not in a dependent way like right. i was before you right um, that's what i mean yeah because so much of what's bringing me joy and happiness is interacting with other people you know i mean had i not uh i mean like i was talking about or we were talking about earlier is like being open to other people's suggestions on how to Mm-hmm. deal with depression and things like that um but yeah i guess i'm finding you know i think for so long too i just struggled with i didn't like people i think that was a contributing factor to my <laughs> depression you know <laughs> i mean and not trusting people or not yeah. wanting to let people in and uh and now I feel like I'm like the opposite like I just want to like dive in deep with everyone I meet and, mm-hmm. um, Do you, would you say that that was a control issue like you didn't like people and was that a way for you to control your environment it was uh, I want to say it was very like um, contrived like I feel like I came up with it through reading like Edward Abbey's stuff mm. and this is I, I'm i like having to theorize all this I don't know exactly where that mm. idea came from mm-hmm. I don't like people okay but that's my running theory right now is like Edward Abbey um, is an author that I was really passionate about I still am in a lot of ways but I'm like losing a little interest in his stuff because mm-hmm. he's just so negative mm. and he's so He's just, like, uh, against humanity, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And I, I kind of adopted that. Okay. And, um, man, it's such a hard way to find happiness when you're, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or in that mindset. Um, yeah, because that goes against connection. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, even animals don't want to be alone. You know, we're all the same. We all want to be together. Yeah. I wonder what his problem was. <laughs> I mean, it it there's like a logical progression of like you love nature 
you see people and you you focus on their the negatives that you see mm-hmm. when people are interacting with nature and how they're mm-hmm. trashing it and destroying it and all this stuff um and then you think like the solution potentially if you're an extremist which i kind of was is like less people <laughs> is a good solution to that like you know what i mean like if people are the problem then uh yeah. let's have less of them and i wasn't gonna about to like do anything to to <laughs> to do that create a vaccine in an emergency situation <laughs> um but um, yeah but, and that's just one very limited perspective people also do a lot of really amazing things um, oh yeah for each other and for the planet and we're just tiny little ants on this planet i mean Who's to say we're really hurting it? Or maybe we're just helping it evolve to its next um, phase in its own life, which mm-hmm. might not include us. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, maybe that's what planet, the planet wants to do. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. who are we to say? Yeah, I remember having this conversation with you. I think yeah. prior to March, and we were... <laughs> My whole view was, like... I know you thought it was crazy, huh? Yeah, because... Like, <laughs> what? Blasphemy! Because, <laughs> like, I, the way I interpreted it, and let's, let's talk about this, because <laughs> I don't want to, like, uh, maybe I interpreted it wrong, but I was understanding you as saying, like, maybe we are supposed to destroy this planet, and we won't destroy it. I don't think it's possible for us to destroy it. Well, by that I mean like we could destroy our environment, make which makes it inhabitable for us and for others, probably right. Mm, don't I you think? Possible. Not everything else, but like. I think about that. Yeah. We'd be taking a lot of other stuff with us. Right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, look at the other planets. They seem to be doing just fine without. Without life. Habitation. Yeah. <laughs> life as we know it. They're still orbiting and doing... Live, they might be living their best lives. <laughs> now that they got rid of those pesky humans. That's well, and, that's and that's just point. from Alan Watts. You know, his philosophy is that just like a tree leaves, could the possibility exist that the planet peoples and that we are all one interconnected symbiotic Organism. I mean, that exists in every microcosmic and macrocosmic way. In every system that we know, there are always organisms working together in a bigger whole. So why would it not be true that we are not also connected to the planet and living in a beneficial relationship to it and the planet to us? Mm-hmm. So for us to think that we're separate and that we're killing the planet, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem to work that way in most other systems in nature. Yeah, I'm kind of racking my brain and thinking of, like trying to think of a (laughs) um, situation where that might happen. There's certainly... I mean, unless you want to say that we're like a cancer or... Yeah, that's what I was thinking But who's to say that, I mean, the cancer is trying to live its best life. Right. You know, I just think... That we are a small portion of the planet and this whole system. Um, and you know, like we, we think oil spills are so detrimental and horrible. But when you look at an oil spill compared to the 
billions of gallons and the depth of the ocean. It's just a minor surface, mar on the surface. And natural oil spills have been happening within the ocean's core way longer than we've been around or nor that we even know about. Yeah, but there's immediate, you see immediate effects from it uh, that are heart heart-wrenching, you know what I mean? Like to see animals covered yes, in oil and all yes. that. Yes, yes. And, and for, th- for that to be like the result of something that was human cause as opposed to like a natural cause... It's is like, it, but really, it's is like, the suffering any different? I mean, look at the wildfires. Those aren't necessarily, or forest fires aren't caused by human interaction every time. And the suffering is still great, and it was a natural cause. I mean, it's like, yeah, just like actually, this virus, it's like a deep pruning. Yeah. Which is necessary. I don't know. I, I've got thoughts on the whole fire thing, too. Yeah. And like, from my forestry background and everything, but... I mean, um, California used to have controlled burns, right? But mm-hmm. they don't now. Mm-hmm. And it's that's, still happening. That's... Well, I think that's the issue is just fire management. Uh, yeah. Um, or, or lack thereof. And, um, you know, our understanding of... Well, I think we actually do have a good understanding of how frequent fires need to be in a place. But to actually be able to implement those... Mm-hmm. Um, because of the way that we've designed our living, you know, it's not necessarily something easy that we can just do. We can't just be like, uh, let's wake up tomorrow and do a fire. The conditions yeah. have to be exactly yeah. right. And, um, and so many places probably are so far gone as far as fuel loads go. There, there's the fuel loads are so high that even if you wanted to do a controlled burn, it would be potentially uncontrollable because mm. of the level of fuel loads mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah I don't know I think <laughs> I don't know I don't know how I feel about that that whole concept but you say that's Alan Watts's yeah yeah and, I'm not and... a big fan of that uh, idea that something like if like an oil spill and things like that are man-made I don't want to just like be like so well no and I agree we don't want to be like irresponsible about it but I don't think that these things are affecting the planet in a deeply detrimental way yeah because the planet and the atmosphere and the oceans are so much bigger than we are um like I said we could make it inhabitable for ourselves but, I mean, just take a look at, like, after a forest fire. Things always come back. Things oh, yeah. always sure. grow back. So... I was in Australia after the fires, and it, they were bouncing back already. Yeah. Um, but it's not necessarily about the bounce back. I know... I know things will bounce back, too, but the intensity and... and mm-hmm. um, Things like that could have been different if we managed our fires better or, like, managed our lands better. Um, and I don't know. I I think that a better way... <laughs> there's, there's some kind of balance for me now where, like, I don't think 
humanity is horrible for the planet mm -hmm. anymore, but it's not it's not that simple of saying I don't think that we're not doing any harm or like, you know, I still think we're doing yeah, a lot of harm. Right. Um, but I think that we have the ability as human beings to contemplate and come up with ways to uh, solve these in the future. Mm -hmm. um, my hope is that we just don't lose too many species in the process of mm -hmm. like figuring that out. Um, you know, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I definitely, that was a big shift for me of like, you know, seeing humanity as like a potential parasite. Yeah. And then shifting that to, um, yeah. having faith in humanity as a potential, you know, with the potential to solve problems. Yeah. Cause it's still the majority of people are good natured mm -hmm. and they're not out to destroy things. Of course, there's always those bad seeds and bad corporations and greed and these things that are can be unchecked and wreak real havoc. But in the bigger picture, I mean, we keep limping along. We keep surviving. I mean, horrible, devastating things happen. And just over the natural course of time, things heal and they get even better and they become even stronger. Mm -hmm. So... In the big picture, I don't think that humanity is bad, bad business for the planet. I think, I think she wants us here. Yeah. Okay, well, um, I think we could kind of wrap it up here. Um, I'll let you plug your, your <laughs> art. How can people website. find you? You can find me at summerlydick.com. Summer at like the season and then Lydic is L-Y-D-I-C-K um, you can find me on Instagram Summer Lydic Art and uh, you can just Google me I'm easy to find um, I have an Etsy shop now too it's Summer Lydic Art all one word um, yeah and let me know what you think about my paintings and buy some stuff and bring home something happy <laughs> yeah i'll be sharing i can share your uh your website and other stuff on on like oh. the show notes so i can yeah. post those you can find them after you listen to the episode on the show notes um but yeah thanks for coming out yeah, and like, thanks <laughs> coming upstairs <laughs> wrestlemania <laughs> yeah thank you for your listeners for putting up with all the noises in the background <laughs> Um, Tap dancing pooches. I hope y'all still got some great messages out of it. I think we, we hit on some yeah, really interesting fun. stuff. It was so. fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, okay. Cool. <laughs> and namaste. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Talking to Summer is always great. She can just put a positive spin on anything. And having that close to home literally is really nice um one thing i did want to mention before i left was that any proceeds from the ad or any uh listener donations which by the way you can sign up to donate for as little as a dollar a month half of all those proceeds that i get from those forms of income will be donated to 
uh, a charitable organization. And this month I chose the Trevor Project. It is Suicide Awareness Month this month, and the Trevor Project is an accredited national organization that provides crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to the LGBTQ community, particularly for um, children and young adults under the age of 25. They um, work to support legislation that uh, is pro-LGBTQ, and they lobby against anti-LGBTQ policy positions. They conduct all kinds of research to find effective means to to, uh, end mental health issues and suicide issues with the LGBTQ community. And they provide uh, counselors who are available 24-7, 365 days a year. They have a hotline number. It's 866-488-7386. Or you can find out more about them on thetrevorproject.org. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.